to Multiverse of Q, your guide to the comic book multiverse. And on podcast form, I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And we're totally in... Amalgam. I was going to say sink. Well, I, I was, was wondering hoping. about that as I was saying that word. It was like, well, already committed. Yeah. You go for it, Devin. You, you own your wrongness. Yep. Uh, but yeah, this week we are going to be wrapping up our Amalgam coverage with the titles that we didn't cover before, as well as Unlimited Access and All Access, the two Access tie-in series, because apparently people wanted more of that dude. I didn't, but... Yeah. Everyone else? Yeah, he was sort of a non-character in a lot of ways. Yeah, very much a non-character. And then, like, those two series don't do him a lot of good. No. Because even there, he's, like, still a non-character. Except he's a non-character who cheats on his girlfriend. But it's not really cheating if it's different universes. It's true. But luckily he wasn't cheating on her with a teenager like she initially thought. Nope. A teenage prostitute like she initially thought. Yes. But, uh, speaking of teenage prostitutes the uh first book that we're going to be covering from amalgam is generation hex so that was actually a pretty cool story yes we have milligan on writer and then we have paulina morales and bowman on the art team uh, it's basically a combination of generation hex which is a x-men team usually run by emma frost and the dc uh, western hero jonah hex we had a fantastic movie with Josh Brolin that did not suck in any way. Are you being sarcastic? I mean, we're we're recording this the day after the daylight saving switchover, so I I can't tell if you're sarcastic or not. Yeah, that movie was bad. It was okay. trash. Okay. See, I I needed to be sure because I mean, one of the things that we have today are the results for are, like, rankings of the best titles and, like, the best male response titles. And those male response titles, we really, really didn't agree on a lot. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, basically, yeah, that Jonah Hex movie was bad. Mm-hmm. Even with the fantasticness of Magneto, Michael Fassbender in that film. He plays, like, a lackey or something. Ah. And then, but anyway, mostly it takes place with our central hero, Jono Hex, a combination of DC's Jonah Hex and Marvel's Chamber, who is the founder of the team. His chest is a psionic furnace of psionic energy. Basically, we have it starting off with his like little backstory, life story. He lives in his little western town. His mother is dying. His, correction, his pregnant mother is dying. And no one in town wants to help them because they do not like his family. Since then, the doctors will help save him. Mom dies. Dad goes into a drunken stupor. Eventually, the town's children decide to burn down their house for funsies. And Pa dies. Jonah gets super burned and manages to escape. But not before getting his revenge by having his like all of his powers burst out. Well, then he decides to form a cool, super tough Western gang. Filled with a bunch of other great mutant characters, too. And basically what ends up happening is we have 
they're basically being hunted down by Bat Trask, who's a combination of Batlash and Balder Trask, who is now the new, um, what's it called? It's in his, in town, um, the new sheriff. Yeah. The and creator of the Razor, he, uh, he creates the Razor Men, which is a combination of the Scissor Men and the Sentinels to hunt down the mutant gang. As they're basically just running from, um, uh, little do they know, Jonah Hex happens to run back into his own town. And oh man, does he ever want revenge? So he goes into town and saves them from the other mutants in his gang by having, like, his little fake setup. And then they want him to become sheriff. And he says, well, I can't stick around, but I can help protect you and make you safe. All of you need to put on fake, like, prosthetics to make yourself look like mutants. And so the entire townspeople agree. And as they all ride away back through town, up shows the razor men who cut down all the townspeople in retribution. Yep. And it's a Peter Milligan story, which I think he's the only person who could do this well. Peter Milligan went on to do Ecstatics. Oh, yeah. And now, if you thought having a uh, Peter Milligan story was weird, you know who's an even weirder writer who also did an amazing job? Ew. Kurt Busiek on Iron Lantern. Yeah, this was, this is actually my favorite book that we read. I also do happen to have a very nice like soft spot for Kurt Busiek's run on both Iron Man and Avengers, which actually he hadn't written yet at this time. And yes, we have Busiek and Smith on the writing, and then Williamson, McLeod, and Milgram Smith on the art team. Uh, this one basically just starts off with Iron Lantern. He's still very unsure about like what where his place is in the universe because he has not, I guess, met any of the other lanterns much like the green lantern Corps, uh he has com- um stopped hector who is a combination of modok and hector hammond yes and basically after that um we have usually which is a nice big test flight for one of the new ships that iron lantern is created run by oh, what's her name i'm blanking on the first pepper name ferris. Oh, pepper ferris it's a combination of Pepper Potts, or Pepper Potts and yeah. Ferris, um, the girlfriend of... Carol Andrew. Ferris. What? Carol Ferris. Yeah. Whatever, Luke. I, I've got these on my note sheet. No, you don't. Yeah, I I'm do. I'm looking at your note sheet. Yeah, I've got all the combinations. Iron Lantern, Devin, Kirk Busiek, and his old living plant. Okay, I've got the names down there, though. Yeah, you got the names, but not what they were. Yeah, let me go back to my thing. I have what they are amalgams of. Definitely. Okay, anyway, so yeah, so basically the test flight ends up crashing. Everyone thinks that there's some sort of sabotage. Luckily, Iron Lantern is able to save Pepper from before she is crashing. Later that night, she gets into a huge fight with her father, Senator Harrington Ferris, who's a combination of Carl Ferris and Senator Harrington Bird. Because he says that she, it was all crashed because there's a woman pilot. That seems like a really shitty thing to say, especially to your daughter, who you know has been a pilot for, like, years. Well, the dude was a pretty shitty person, so... Yeah, but, like, he held back nothing. Yeah. But yeah, go on. Well, I did like that. I did like that. That was like the reveal that that was her father because that's not revealed until after he says that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, oh, Pepper ends up leaving. 
in his huff, she ends up finding this little black crystal, which ends up taking her over, and she becomes Madame oh, Sapphire. Madame Sapphire, who is a combination of Madame Mask and Star Sapphire. At the same time, we have the little machinations of Kyle O'Brien, who is a combination of. Oh, and because he was the Green Guardsman, he is Green Lantern's Kyle Rayner and Marvel's Guardsman, Kevin O'Brien. He ends up actually wanting to go steal some of Stark's inventions because since he had already had a taste of the Iron Lantern power, he wants it for himself, and he actually wants House Stark to die so that he can become the new Iron Lantern and will not ever be thought of as just the sidekick. At the same time, Madame Sapphire is brought in Great White, who is a combination of Shark and Marvel's Ultimo, who is a giant killer green shark robot. Shark ends up turning into the Iron Lantern. They have a cool, awesome fight in space. But at the same time then, O'Brien has decided to remove the battery so that oh, um, Stark starts to lose some of his power and ends up not being able to turn super big anymore to fight Shark. And he ends up shrinking down. Great Shark eats him, and then he ends up bursting out through his chest, killing the evil robot once and for all. Well, at the same time, James Stewart, who is a combination of John Stewart, one of the Green, one of the other Green Lanterns, and Marvel's Jim Rhodes. Oh uh, no, no, his name is Stuart Rhodes. Yeah, he said Jim Stewart. No, not bad. To me, that's what it should have been because Stuart Rhodes, I thought, was a dumb name. Yeah. Well, it's but, better than Happy Kalamaku. Yeah, much better than that one. Which is the other person we're about to co- cover, which is a combination of Thomas Kalamaku and Marvel's Happy Hogan. They end up starting to like, figure out what oh, um, O'Brien is doing. They end up following him. They get into a little bit of a fight with him. Luckily, they still have Happy's days as a boxer. He beats the snot out of O'Brien. But O'Brien still manages to knock them down because he ends up smacking Happy with a uh, heavy piece of metal and escapes with the Iron Lantern battery. Well, at that same point in time, too, Madame Sapphire steals her father. And with that crashing into a different planet is the Iron Lantern. And all we get is the looking on of Mandarin Estro, who is a combination of the Mandarin and Sinestro. And that's where it all ends, is just with Iron Lantern crashing into another planet, and we'd never know what happens. Mm-hmm. And the letter column is Socket to Oa. I like that one. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, the other thing you didn't mention is the alien who crashed who gave him his uh, Iron Lantern powers... Oh, yeah! ...is Roman Sir, a combination of Aben Sir and Roman Day... And Roman Day normally gives out the Nova Force, and he was played by John C. Riley in Guardians of the Galaxy. That he was. Still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Iron Lantern was one of the first ones that I read, and it's like, wow, this makes me really want to read other issues of this series. Oh, yeah, no, like, not many of them had cliffhangers. Most of them kind of had, like... Next. At least relatively well ending points, but this yeah. one actually had like a super big cliffhanger, so it's like, dang, I actually kind of want to know what happens next. Mm-hmm. But something that you probably don't care about what happens next is the JLX Unleashed, which was by uh, Priest on writing, Oscar and Jimenez on pencils, Hannibal Rodriguez on inks, 
Ken Lopez on letters, and Patricia Mulville on colors. And we start off with the Hellfire League of Injustice, which is Savage Shaw, Lord Maxwell Hodge, Mistress Maxima, and Dark Firebird, who summon Fin Fang Flame to kill the Metamutants on the planet. And the first thing that it does, because it's like made up of all of these components that each of the members of the Hellfire League of Injustice put in, uh, it kills them first. Meanwhile, the JLX, the team from the last issue that we covered, which we weren't very enthused by, they've been arrested because it turned out that Mr. X wasn't a Martian, he was a scroll, and Captain Marvel, who's a combination of the Kree Captain Marvel and the Billy Batson Captain Marvel, doesn't really want them to be freed. Fin Fang Flame ends up attacking Super Soldier, Amazon, and Captain Marvel. Amazon goes to free the remaining members of uh, what had been JLX. We have a flashback where we find out that Doc Magnus, the evil one who made all the Sentinels, had launched an... Uh, had launched what was called the Armageddon Agenda, which gave him free reign from the government to do whatever he wanted to the Metamutants, and so he ended up killing most of the team, or horribly traumatizing others. So Apollo, who's a combination of Ray and Cyclops, got his mind fried, so he's pretty much non-responsive. Uh, Mr. X agrees to help, and so he ends up freeing Joshua Summers, who is Chaos, who's a mix of Spitfire and Havoc, uh, Iceberg, who's a mix of Iceman and Ice. Night Creeper, who's a mix of Nightcrawler and the Creeper. Runaway, who's the mix of Rogue and Gypsy. And uh, Amazon, who's a mix of Storm and Wonder Woman. Uh, they make up the Snoo JLX. They attack, and Fin Fang Flame is beating them. Uh, and in the fight, Fin Fang Flame ends up beating Chaos. And this wakes up Apollo enough to pilot the ship into Fin Fang Flame, causing it to explode, and Apollo walks out turned into pure energy, and Amazon decides to fully join the team, and it, it's not great. Like, it, the JLX stuff has potential, but it doesn't really live up to it. It feels the yeah, most, um, bad. It, it feels the most like, let's just stick things together and not really have a lot of sense for it and the first one was better at least because it had human touches but this one does not yeah but something that has even less human touches is Lobo the Duck which was written by Al Grant with pencils by Val Semeckis with inks by Ray Crissing colors by Francesco Ponzi and separations by Shock Studios and letters by Bill Oakley and Lobo the Duck is a combination of Howard the Duck and Lobo. And, like, this issue is even worse because it's trying to be funny and it's completely failing at it. Like, it's a type of humor that is, let's just put in random things because that's, like, the basis of humor without having anything valuable coming out of it. So, like, Lobo the Duck is wandering around a superhero wasteland that is just a bunch of dead people with his dog, who is, an, who is the Impossible Dog, a mix of the Impossible Man and Dog, who just keeps randomly transforming into things in the background, like a less useful version of Morph. And meanwhile, servants of Dr. Bongface, who are a mix of Dr. Bong plus Scarface, the uh, puppet from Batman, are collecting the corpses of superheroes for something that we never find out. 
Uh, Lobo goes in to get food when he runs into Ambush the Lunatic, who's a mashup of Ambush, Bug, and Lunatic. Gets into a fight until his girlfriend, Beverline, finds him. He ends up running into some old friends who get into a big fight. Like, none of this stuff actually matters. And he eventually ends up finding his enemy he's supposed to fight, who's a golden kidney lady who's a mix of... I'm forgetting the gold part of it. And kidney lady. And he ends up killing her, which causes the moon to start coming towards the earth. It, It's not good at all. It's... It's just bad. Anyway. Yeah, it was a bad issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, the next series to get that bad taste out of our mouth is The Magnetic Man featuring Magneto. Yeah, that was a stupid-ass series. <laughs> well, basically, as we recalled last time, all hold of on, The Magnetic Men... Creative team. Oh, yeah, yeah, creative team. Let us know who caused this abomination. Yep, we got Pear on writing, and then we got Kitson, Panacean, and Webb on the art team. Okay, well, as you may or may not recall, last time we had the Magnetic Men got basically sentience. They weren't necessarily tied to Magneto anymore. So now Magneto doesn't want them anymore because, ugh. Now they're just going to die again, just like my last brotherhood, and then I'm going to have to go cry in the shower for, like, three days. So he gives them all, like, little human personalities and sends them off into the real world. And with the help of everyone's favorite, oh, Mr. Mastermind, who is a combination of Mastermind and Mr. Mind, who I thought looked really cool. But that was pretty much the only cool thing there. Because as soon as they get into town, they get attacked... Oh, basically like the... It wasn't Sinister Six. Oh, Sinister Society. Combination, no, yeah, the Sinister Six and the Serpent Side. Now, anyway, we have Black Vulture, who's a combination of Black Condor and the Vulture. We got Kimodam, who's a combination of Chemo and Modam. Deathborg, a combination of Cyborg and Deathlock. Coltron, a combination of Cobra and Ultron. Quasimodox, an omin- uh, the combination of Thrilldox and Quasimodo. Sonicwa a combination of Sonar and Claw, and then Vance Cosmic, a combination of Cosmic Boy and Vance Astro. Well, they fight and manage to defeat the Magnetic Men and capture them. Magneto, who's going off to stop some evil plot of his brother, ends up showing up right there right at the same time, manages to free all of the Magnetic Men, and then now, with their powers combined, they easily crush everyone of the Sinister Society. Because apparently, with the powers of Magneto, they all feel super strong. And Magneto gets that little bit of an ego boost because look at him and all of my friends. And then he manages, Magneto defeats all, everyone of the Sinister Society. And I just like, yo guys, you hate my brother too. Why are you coming after me? I hate him as well. And they form a giant super, super team. Probably to go off and fight Will Ensure if there's ever a third issue, which there's not. Thank God. Yep. Yeah, like, the weird thing is it's not necessarily a direct sequel to the previous issue, it's just, like, a series that came later. Yeah. But also kind of a direct sequel? That was a problem, like, it was, like, both. Yeah. And the mail, or, and the letter column title was the Magne- was the Magnetometer. 
And uh, before you go into Spider-Boy team-up, Devin, you do not need to say who everyone is an amalgam of for this issues. Why? You don't let me go through everyone from 2099? Everyone? You don't know who most of the members of the uh, Legion are, so it means less, and also there's a fuck ton of them. I mean, I have my list of them with what they all are. Okay, let's not spend, like, five minutes going through that. I didn't that say that list. I necessarily know who they are that I care, but... Yeah, you don't need to go through and explain who each person is. Yeah, I won't. Okay, okay. Okay, but anyway. This one was written by R. Sternzel with Ladron, Velasco, and Oakley and Rosas on the arch. Well, it starts off with Spider-Boy fighting the Skavulture, who's a team-up scavenger and the Vulture. And basically Spider-Boy gets knocked down because someone... Oh, uh, his um, web shooter is stolen. Because in this universe, the web shooter is actually just a gun and not, in fact, actually connected to his hand in any way, shape, or form. Well, Skavulture is about to kill him, but right before he does, time freezes. And he gets sucked into the future by all the heroes from the 2099 universe. They are the Legion of Galactic Guardians. Kind of a combination of the Legion of Superheroes and the Guardians of the Galaxy. And yeah, I won't go through all of them. There's a couple I did like. I did like the one that was a Timberwolf by Night, a combination of Timberwolf and Werewolf by Night. And then the other one is oh, Psy Girl, a combination of Saturn Girl and Psylocke. But yes, so I'll just keep on going. Basically, they're like, oh, we really wanted to meet you, Spider-Boy. You're the entire inspiration and fundamental like balance of this team. Oh, but you can only stay here for ten minutes because if not, then, like, the world's going to collapse in on itself. Oh, that's cool, I guess. Wait, why are you showing me all this future stuff? Oh, it's because you're going to die. Oh, okay. Then, bam, they burst the supervillains. Oh, crap, now it's been past ten minutes because they destroyed the little generator. Oh, now comes some even more futuristic superheroes who deliver the great Terminator line, Come with me if you want to live. Spider-Boy is feeling very apprehensive because he, too, has seen the Terminator and knows what's going to happen. Well, he basically gets then sucked into an even grimmer future where everything has gone to crap because he didn't go back in time. But then it's like, oh, but it's okay because we kind of have, like, another portal that can kind of send you into, like, a side universe. Which actually has a completely different lineup. Which that was actually then the next question, like the thought I had, which is, does this mean that the entire universe we know is now gone? It's more of a joke on the Legion of Superheroes because, like, there have been so many iterations of the team because of all the retcons and reboots. Because of okay, the, yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it was that or if it's like essentially the amalgam universe is gone and like Peter is now the Spider Boy is now taken over a different Spider Boy's like body. Nope. Okay. Well, anyway, he's just like, yo, you need to send me back right now. And so they do. And luckily, though, he happens to have, like, now the forethought to actually dodge the attacks, so he's not killed by Skavulture like he initially thought he was going to be. And then all the little hoodlums and gang members who are running around turn out to be 
every, all the superheroes from the future who have been waiting for the boy who stole Spider-Man's gun, or Spider-Boy's gun, to be shot by the Skavulture. Because, as it turns out, he is going to be a big character, which he is Miguel, a combination of um, Zarel and uh, Miguel O'Hara. Oh, you mean Mon-El? Oh, sorry, Mon-El, yes. And he becomes Spider-Boy 2099 in the future. Because he got shot, they don't know what to do with him, so they put him in the Phantom Negative Zone, the combination of the Phantom Zone and the Negative Zone. And then they're all just like, oh, okay. Peter doesn't like know what to do. He thinks that the kid's dead. In comes Kang the Time Conqueror, who is trying to steal all the powers of Spider-Boy because he like knows about him like traveling through time. Right before he's able to be destroyed, though, in comes Spider-Boy 2099, who was able to home in on his position because of all of his time in the Phantom Negative Zone. They end up stopping him. He turns out to be Kronos Tut, the Time Pharaoh, who we may have known from Challengers of the Fantastic. And basically there, yeah, that's how it all wraps up, is all the heroes go back into the future. And they're all like, oh, but it's okay, Spider-Boy, you're going to live for a long time. Yep, and that's it. And so Spider-Boy gets to feel happy because he's not going to die for a while. And then we get a great little amazing amalgam art pick, which is just him chilling on a roof. And after that, we have Super Soldier, Man of War, which was written and penciled by Dave Gibbons, with Mark Wade also doing writing, inks by Jimmy Palmiotti, colors by Angus McKee, and letters by John Costanza. And unlike the previous issue of Super Soldier, they actually got a letter this time. Thank goodness. So we start off with the All-Star Winner Squadron, which is American Bell, uh, the Young Commandos representative Brooklyn Barnes, Human Lantern, Aquamariner, and The Wiz, who are meeting up with Super Soldier before they go, er, before Super Soldier has to go off to the war. Uh, and so Clark and Jimmy Olsen, his best friend go off to the war undercover and we find out that Lois Lane in this universe is actually married to Lex Luthor. Sergeant Rock is also on the boat with Clark and Jimmy with his Howlin' Commandos which are Wildman Percy, Little Dum Dum, Bulldozer Gabriel, Ice Cream Cohen, Rebel Farmer, and Dino Four Eyes and they end up saving Jimmy from this jerk, get into a massive scuffle but everything ends up being mostly good on the way. Super Soldier saves him from an iceberg, and and they also find a mysterious Frenchman on the boat who's wandering into restricted areas. When they finally get into England, Super Soldier saves the dock from some missiles that were going to blow it up, and he gets to meet Winston Churchill. Meanwhile, Sergeant Rock and the commandos let themselves be captured by Major Zemo, but they end up being saved by the Frenchman, who it turns out is actually Mademoiselle Peggy. And uh, Zemo unleashes his war wheel on the commandos. Peggy calls for help, so Super Soldier comes in with Jimmy, destroys the war wheel. But during the fight, Peggy got injured, so Super Soldier takes her to the hospital. And we find out that the Nazis escaped, and Luther was the designer behind the war wheel. And with him, he has the design for the giant evil kryptonite-powered robot that Super Soldier fought in the first Super Soldier issue. And it did not have a special letters column name. 
The final issue I'm covering is Thor Ryan of the New Gods, which was by Keith Giffen and John Romita Jr. on art and writing, with inks and separations by Digital Chameleon. Dan Brown did the colors, and Richard Starkings and Comicraft did the letters. And we start off with the previous Asgard, where trolls are attacking with Surtur during Ragnarok. So Odin ends up summoning the source, which destroys Asgard and banishes Surtur as well. And we then come to the future with Thor Ryan the Hunter, who's an enemy of Thanos' side, the combination of Thanos and Darkseid. Thanos' side is meeting with Lak Desad, a mix of Loki and Desad, who is Thor Ryan's half-brother, and he wants to get the permission from Thanos' side to use the Mother Cube to destroy all of Asgard, or all of New Asgardia. Uh, Locke ends up summoning Surtur along with the meteorite of all these other, like, classic enemies of the New Asgardians with the Mother Cube, and so Thorin ends up sacrificing himself, destroys Locke, and... Surtur, and then he somehow becomes a celestial. It's not a good issue because it doesn't really explain what happened, and it feels more of a standalone story as opposed to an introduction to a series. And the letter column is called The Source Strikes. And the last issue you're covering, Devin, is Batsing. Wait, it's not that type of Batman combination. Nope. With Hama on it. Writing with DiMaggio, Sankenich, Vazquez, and De Guzman on the art team. Uh, basically, he started off here. This is kind of like more of like a gritty crime story. You have detectives Deloya and Bullock looking into the death of a former of a monster. And as they see that, they see Bat Thing flying away. Well, as a result, Bullock's like, "Oh no, I need to go and talk to the wife of Bat Thing." because he's worried that Bad Thing is going to come back and try to harm them. But then at the same time, we start having more and more, oh, the person who was killed by Bad Thing had a picture of Bad Thing's wife and daughter on her. And Deloyer starts to realize that something must be up. Bullock ends up leaving the apartment just in time for a whole bunch of mobsters to show up to try to kill him. And right as he's starting to get beaten... In swipes him bat thing, who then ends up saving everyone, killing all the mobsters, and flying away. Now it all turns out in the end that the whole reason for this happening was one of the former mobsters that Bullock put away, he completely blew off his face with a shotgun, and doctors kind of did a crummy, like, putting his face back together surgery. And he's had it in for him ever since. Bad thing had found and become aware of this and was tailing him every night just to make sure that nothing happened to either his family or to Detective Bullock because Bullock has been expressing interest in protecting his family. Uh-huh. Bullock then realized maybe he's been wrong about Bad Thing, maybe he's still human after all. And we see Bad Thing swoop back into his little house, which is actually just a science lab where he's, it looks like he is trying to create a cure for himself. And Bat Thing is a combination of Man, Bat, and Man Thing. Yes. And it has the fantastic letter column of Bat Thing. <laughs> uh, yep. And so that wraps up our Amalgam Titles coverage. And Devin and I ended up putting together lists of 
our favorite books, we'll create a separate amalgam page. That way we can have all this stuff ranked. But based on our votes, uh, we did a method of adding like the values of uh, where we rank the books together. We have our definitive list ranking of amalgam books. So are you ready, Devin? I'm ready. Our number one book is Iron Lantern. Number two is Dark Claw Adventures. And then Spider-Boy, Spider-Boy Team-Up, X-Patrol, which we both had at number five, the exciting X-Patrol, Bullets and Bracelets, Challengers of the Fantastic, Super Soldier, Man of War. We had a three-way tie between Doctor Strange Fate, Generation Hex, and Bat Thing. But we're putting Doctor Strange Fate in a higher rank because I went with whatever had the highest value went up to the top of the list uh, followed by another tie between Super Soldier and Bruce Wayne Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. though technically Bruce Wayne should actually be above yeah Bruce Wayne should be above Super Soldier so. damn straight uh, followed by another tie with Bruce Wayne Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Super Soldier and then Legends of the Dark Claw, Assassins, Thor Rhine of the New Asgods, and we also were on the same ranking for Legends of the Dark Claw and the New Asgods. Oh, nice. The Magnetic Men featuring Magneto, Magneto and the Magnetic Men, Amazon, and then for the last four, we are completely in sync with Lobo the Duck, Speed Demon, JLX, and JLX Unleashed. They were bad books, what can I say? Yeah, uh, our biggest point of contentions were uh, Doctor Strange Fate, which I had at level, or which I had at rank 17, and Devin had at rank 16, and then Bruce Wayne, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which Devin had at 15, and I had, which I had at 15, and Devin had at 9. Wait, go over your Doctor Strange Fate one again. You said that you had it at 17 and I had it at 16. That is not... No, no, no I had it at 7 and you had it at 16. Okay. Yeah. Well, you said 17 first. And then we also decided to do a ranking of the letter column titles that were more than just the title of the book. Otherwise, bad thing would be at the top for both of us. So our first one is Socket to Oa which is the Iron Lantern letter column, which is fantastic. Yep. Shred him and Weep, which was the Legends of the Dark Claw. The Magneto Meter, which was the Magnetic Men featuring Magneto. Last Rites, which was Assassins. Challengers Mountain O'Mail, which was the Challengers of the Fantastic. JLL, JL Express, which was the JLX. Good job, JLX. You actually got one clever thing in there. Mm-hmm. We then had a three-way tie between Letters to Paradise, which was the Amazon letter column, The Source Strikes, which was Thorine of the New Gods, and Patrol Log, which was the X-Patrol. And then we had Magnetic Mail Call, which was the Magneto and the Magnetic Men one, The Strange Fate Letters, and P.O. Box Cadmus, which also tied at 10 points each, and then Mail Call at the very bottom. Yep. It's like you kind of get what you're going for, but at the same time, no. You could do better. Yeah. 
Yeah, that Iron Lantern story is really good, and so is Dark Claw Adventures. Yeah, those are both very good. Mm-hmm. Well, and so is... I think and the first... And their mail. Their mail titles are great, yeah. and their books are great. That's the power of having, like, really good writers for these things. Mm-hmm. And then that brings us to the first miniseries that we're covering, All Access, which was written by Ron Mars, with layouts by Jackson Guise. Finishes by Joseph Rubenstein, letters by Bill Oakley, uh, Lee Loffridge did the colors, and Digital Chameleon did the separations. And we start off with Axel, uh, who's also the hero Axis, who's having drinks with his girlfriend Ming in the Marvel Universe at, like, the Chinese restaurant that her family owns. When he ends up having a flash that Venom has entered into the DC Universe... Uh, Superman shows up to stop Venom from attacking a woman, uh, Caitlin Fitzgerald, who will be referred to as Hot Caitlin because that's really her only personality that she's given. Mm-hmm. And Superman's having a rough time fighting Venom because he's not really sure. Luckily, Axis shows up, saves Caitlin, and then brings in Spider-Man. Uh, Superman and Spider-Man are like, okay, we've got this. Get out of here, Axis. But Axis ends up getting a sonic cannon, which helps him defeating Venom. That way he can send him home. And, yeah, that's, like, the first issue. It's a very weird standalone thing compared to the other issues. I agree. Also, I feel like there was so much that didn't need to happen there, because it's just like, all you had to do was tell Superman he needed to clap. Yeah, and it wasn't even all that fun, which it, it should be. I agree. Uh, in the, the second, next one was much more fun. Yeah. Uh, Jubilee ends up showing up while Axis is on a date in the park with Ming. And I, I think Ming thinks that Jubilee is like a teenage prostitute or something. See, I didn't think she thought she was a prostitute. Well, she just thought that dating. Was, or Axel was hanging around with some teenage girls. Which would be sketchy as hell. Yeah, either way, sketchy as hell. Yeah. And look at her fashion sense. It is amazing. Okay. Jubilee is amazing. Oh, I know, but that's what Ming was calling her out for. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it is sort of on Jubilee that she interrupted a horse-drawn carriage. Oh, yeah, no, totally. But uh, Jubilee promises to fix everything if she can get to see Robin again, and Axis is like, yeah, sure, let's do that. And so, like, Jubilee and Robin meet up, and they're like, okay, get out of here, we've got stuff to do and Axis is like but it's raining and then Two-Face immediately just knocks him out with a gun which is fantastic yep uh, Jubilee meanwhile learns out that Robin currently has a girlfriend Two-Face shows up to fight them and they take him down using the same coat trick that they used in DC vs. Marvel and as Axis is like okay yeah this was really shitty I hate you teenagers Scorpion the Marvel villain shows up uh, Batman then shows up at the start of the next issue and takes out Scorpion and Axis is like, okay uh, I have no idea why these crossovers keep happening, you're a detective this is this is something that you should be good at solving, Batman's like no, you need like a Greg Lantern or someone who knows cosmic stuff he's like, but it's a mystery, detective and Batman's like, yeah okay, let's get this and because Batman remembered him, Axis gets the idea to visit 
the other person who knew that the Amalgam Universe wasn't real, which was Dr. Strange fate, so he decides to visit Dr. Strange. And they just, well, they ignore the fact that Dr. Strange fate was actually Charles Xavier. Oh, yeah. And somehow they're also able to just burst into the Sanctum Sanctorum, which is one of those things that you seem to be able to do by need. Which, to be fair, does he know that Dr. Strange fate was Charles Xavier? Because he never took the helmet off in front of him. No idea, but, like, I was expecting that to be a twist, and it never gets touched on. Well, that's fair. Yeah. And, uh, so, Dr. Strange has no memories of the event, and Jubilee's like, hey, I know who can help. So she shows up with Iceman, Jean Grey, Cannonball, Bishop, Storm, and Cyclops, and... All of them are like, hey, we don't like you, Batman. And so they get into a fight, and Batman is able to take down all of the X-Men, except that uh, Bishop ends up with a gun on him. And unfortunately, the Justice League shows up, which is Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Power Rainer, Aquaman, Superman, Martian Manhunter, and The Flash. As they fight... Ming shows up because, like, the fight is spilled out on the streets, and Axis is a jerk and refuses to tell her what's really going on. So, like, she pretty much breaks up with him, and we find out that during the fight, Doctor Strange passed out. When he gets back up, he is Doctor Strange fate again, and he re-merges Storm and Wonder Woman to reform Amazon. And then he's like, okay, I need a new Amalgam universe, I'm just gonna, sh- like, stick you people randomly together. And the really shitty thing is, they didn't come up with names for these combinations, which is some bullshit. Like, he merges Bishop and Superman together. He merges... Superman. What? I'll I'll give him names as we're going through. Booperman. Except he's got an M on his chest. I don't care. Booperman. Uh, Jubilee and Batman. Batley. There we go. You're, you're, You're so... Bad at these, Devin. Kyle yep. Rayner and Cyclops. Rayclops. Cannonball and the Flash. Flannonball. You know what would be a better name for that, Devin? Fall. Cannonball Run. Oh, that would be a good one. Yeah. But that, but that would be clever, and this isn't clever. Uh, Martian Manhunter and Jean Grey. Mm, Martian Jean Hunter. Uh, and then Aquaman and Iceman. Nice cute man. <laughs> oh, God. Those were all horrible, Devin. Yep, they were, just like all of these. So, you know what? I don't feel bad in the slightest. And, uh, Ac- well, I love the idea of, uh, Batley. Being like, I am the dark, or I am the darkness, I am the night. And then she just, like, dazzles someone in the face. Yep. <laughs> it's the series that all of us want. Uh, anyways, Axe is like, ah, shit. And so he vanishes into a dimension where uh, Doctor Strange has been captured by Doctor Strange fate. And he's able to disrupt the magic and use Strange fate's powers to make amalgam into a pack dimension instead so all of them can end up surviving and they all shake hands and Axis goes and dates hot Caitlyn from before instead of getting back with Ming. Okay, the second series that we are 
covering today is Unlimited Access, which was written by Carl Kessel, with pencils by Pat Olief, Pat Olafay, with inks by Al Williamson, colors by Greg Wright, and Jim Novak on the letters. And it turns out Axis didn't actually break up with Ming, but she's still very angry at him, and reasonably so, because she's like, yeah, I can pretty much tr like deal with anything that you're going to tell me. I'm from New York City in the Marvel Universe. I have seen Galactus. I have seen all that other shit. And then he tries to explain, and she doesn't believe him. And we also find out that he did totally cheat on her with Hot Caitlyn. But is it really cheating if it's another universe? Yes. No, the DC universe is like Vegas. What happens in there will be retconned really quickly. Exactly. Uh, anyways, Mantis shows up, and he's actually after Ming, specifically. And so Spider-Man shows up to fight Mantis, and are you familiar with Mantis at all? Just a little bit. Mantis is one of those great, like, Jack Kirby New Gods characters, who he started off, like... It was going to be this guy whose power could rot, whose power could rival Darkseid, and he was in a tomb like Dracula, and then like you could tell, Jack Kirby sort of lost track of what he was doing with the character, and so he's like all of these really really weird things. Nice. But he's fun. I've got the uh, action figure. Oh, nice. Yes. Anyways, uh, so Spider-Man is fighting with Mantis, and a laser blast ends up bringing in Juggernaut. So Axis is like, okay, well, I need someone else to help. So he summons in Wonder Woman. And Spider-Man and Wonder Woman are able to knock the two of them out against each other before more laser blasts hit Juggernaut and Mantis, and they vanish again. When Axis tries to talk to Wonder Woman, though, she doesn't remember him. And Spider-Man's trying to talk to Wonder Woman, and Mary Jane's like, yeah, no, I'm like an ex-supermodel... And also, your fiancé, so I, I hope Peter Parker gets his ass back here. Actually, it's the 90s, so she still is a supermodel. Well, she says ex-supermodel. Oh, does she? Oh. Yeah. Which is... Or she got back in the circuit, I guess. Yeah. Which is, a, like, a funny moment. Like, that's a nice thing that uh, Carl Kessel brings to these. There's a lot of really small, fun moments that make it worth reading, unlike All Access, which is not worth reading, like, the summary is enough. Yeah. Well, he did Spider-Boy, so, I mean, that man knew what he was doing for that one. Well, yeah, Carl Kessel did, but he didn't write the last series. No, I know. Yeah. Ron oh, no, I'm Fred, just talking about, like, oh, he wrote, like, oh, yeah. a lot of the good amalgam books. Oh, yeah, no, like, Carl Kessel's a really, really good comic guy. He knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Anyways, uh, Axis brings Diana back to the DC Universe, but the Hulk has shown up, and he's a old-school dumb Hulk, which I don't think he was at the time. Luckily for Axis, the absolute shit about Hal Jordan, Greg Lantern, shows up, which doesn't make sense because Kyle Rayner was the Greg Lantern at the time, and Hal Jordan at the time should have been possessed by Parallax before he killed, like, every other Greg Lantern. Uh, Hal and Hulk fight, and Hulk is pretty much matching Hal's stuff, but Hulk had heard Axis say that he can bring him back to his own world, which Axis does, but Axis ends up getting stuck in a desert. He tries to teleport again, only to run into a cowboy crimester, which Jonah Hex is after him, uh, who Jonah Hex is after, 
Jonah ends up killing the cowboy crimester, which ends up pissing off the two-gun kid. And he's like, whose authority are you doing this on? And Jonah Hex is like, I'm Jonah Hex. I've never heard of anyone like you. And two-gun kid, like, ends up saying Axis, and he's like, wait, is this time travel stuff? And Axis is like, yeah! And then both, like, two-gun kid and, like, Jonah X are like, oh, okay. Well, that explains everything. Yep. Because two-gun kid had, like, joined up with the Avengers for a while. He is officially an Avenger. Yeah. And at this time, he had not gone with uh, She-Hulk and become a uh, bail bondsman, which was awesome. Yeah. So Axis sends Two-Gun Kid home, and then Jonah and Axis go to get a drink in a bar. But, like, there's a brawl that's about to start, so Axis pushes Jonah through the portal. And because of time dilation, Jonah gets sucked uh, further ahead than Axis, and Axis ends up in the Days of the Future Past universe where who has shown up, except the Legion of Superheroes. And, like, all of that is in the first issue, though it is, like, a double-sized first issue. Yeah. But still, it was a lot. Oh, yeah, like, it is a whole bunch of stuff going on in this compared to the last story. Yeah. The last one was just kind of just fights that didn't really matter. Mm Mm-hmm. So the Legion end up helping to take down the Sentinels before Wolverine shows up and leads them to the other survivors... And the weird thing here is that Magneto isn't crippled yet, which he normally is in Days of Mm -hmm. Future Past. And the other survivors aren't really happy to know that there are other universes, or that the uh, Legion of Superheroes wants to save him. Brainiac 5 ends up inventing a device that negates the inhibitor collars so that all of the mutants can access their powers... And the uh, mutants end up having moments with the different Legion members, but I really don't know a lot about the Legion of Superheroes, so I can't say how good it is. But if you like the Legion of Superheroes, you will like these moments. Uh, Basically, my knowledge of the Legion of Superheroes is based off of Super Friends. Were they in Super Friends? I don't know. Why, why would you say that, then? I don't know. Uh, Axis ends up sending the Legion members home, and, like, as soon as that happens, the X-Men, like, survivors all start forgetting that the Legion was there. Uh, the power nullifier nullifier ends up getting destroyed by Sentinels, and Magneto gets crippled as a result, as Axis gets knocked into another universe, where he is safe where he is saved by barely being hit by a Batmobile by Daredevil in the original yellow and red costume before Daredevil and Axis quickly phase away. And this Batman also didn't remember Axis because it was an earlier iteration. So Axis is now, like, bouncing through time and between the universes, uh, alerting both the Time Variance Authority and the Linear Men before Morty, the uh, hobo mentor, ends up pulling him out and gives him the rundown on what's going on. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's Morty from Rick and Morty? I think it's actually possible. It turns out that Axis has gained chrono fever, which is why he's, like, hopping through the timelines. And he explains the rules where uh, Axis has to keep, like, traveling through time and space and the universes. Otherwise, he's going to start causing crossovers. Which is like, yeah, okay, that this works perfectly fine for me. 
and like anyone who he pulls along with him is not going to remember what happened, which is also perfectly fine with me. And mm -hmm. like before he can explain more, uh, Morty's like, "Oh shit, oh shit, Rick, uh, we, we gotta go, we gotta go." Well, that's a Rick impression. That's a <laughs> shitty Rick. Rick, we gotta go. <laughs> yeah, and uh, because like the two of them there cause a bigger threat of a crossover. And that big-ass threat of a crossover pays off as the army of Apocalypse, Darkseid's uh, parademons, and, like, all of the members of his evil new gods show up. And luckily, the original Avengers appear, uh, which are Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Giant Man, and Wasp. So you get a lot of fun fights going on. And, but the Avengers are losing... And so Axis ends up summoning the original Justice League of The Flash, Hal Jordan, Martian Manhunter, Black Canary, and Aquaman, who are evening the score until Amazing Grace, who has the power to control men. She was not one of the Jack Kirby New God characters created. Uh, she ends up setting the men on the hero teams to fight one another. So the Avengers men are fighting the Justice League men, and the only people who are unaffected are Black Canary and Wasp, as well as Axis. And Black Canary and Wasp are trying to get them to stop fighting as is Axis, but they end up getting pulled into the fight. Like, Black Canary just almost breaks Giant Man's leg, and Wasp was like, that's not nice. And so they get pulled into this whole crazy fight, too. And meanwhile, Darkseid has taken his army to meet Magneto and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, which are Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, Toad, professional pickup artist, Mastermind, and... The two teams decide to team up, where Darkseid is going to put Magneto and the mutants in charge of the world. And Magneto's like, that sounds perfectly good. There's no way this is going to work against me. Nope. So Axis knows that he needs help, so he ends up summoning Electric Superman, who ends up breaking the spell using his bioelectrical powers. Like, I love Electric Superman because he's all the bullshit stuff that people say about normal Superman... Except in, a, in an electric costume. Nope. And they realize that the teams have to work together now because there are parademons attacking. So they go to fight the parademons. And during the fight, Axis ends up seeing Ming, which is weird because he's in the past and also in another universe. But mm. it turns out that it was a trick by Mastermind. Well, and Axis, he, he kind of just like, that's this just kind of his life right there. Yeah. He doesn't question things like this. He's just like, oh, look, it's my girlfriend. So Axis ends up summoning Wonder Girl, Captain Marvel Jr., Robin, Impulse, and Superboy to help. And it's just great because, like, uh, Quicksilver had grabbed on to Axis, but, like, Impulse is infinitely faster than him and just, like, picks him up. And you get even more, like, really, really fun fights. And so the young heroes are fighting, and they're actually, like, beating the Brotherhood until the other members of the later iterations of the team, the Juggernaut, Sabretooth, Mystique, and the Blob, show up. So Axis ends up summoning the original X-Men, Angel, Iceman, Cyclops, Beast, and Jean Grey. And uh, Magneto is like, okay, Brotherhood, you're going to retreat for now. Uh, Professor Xavier telepaths in, and he's like, yeah, I'm sensing some nasty dang fucking evil from where Magneto is. 
And the teams have, like, some really fun moments where they're, like, getting along together, like Robin and Cyclops are like, Wow, you have an overbearing father figure, too. Yes, I do, young child. And... Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, Magneto and Darkseid end up summoning uh, their faces into the sky to do a surrender Dorothy-type message, and they put out the ultimatum. You have to make way for the Homo Superior, otherwise we're going to, like, kill all of you. Uh, the two te- the two teen teams... Look at Magneto not thinking things through again. Yeah, well, this is old-school Magneto, before no, he had true. character nuance. Though, weirdly, he has Mystique and a few of the other members who I thought didn't show up until... Well... Um, maybe. Maybe 90s Brotherhoods, well... I guess Madison's would be 60s Brotherhood, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. Let's not think about this too much. It, it, it distracts from the great stuff that's going on. So the uh, two teams start to argue when Robin's like, okay, let's go, and Cyclops is like, we've got to wait for the professor. And uh, Axis is trying to separate them, but he ends up fusing Robin and Angel into Red Wing, the Avenging Wonder. And Axis is like, oh, uh, I can merge people together, so I'm going to merge some of you guys. Meanwhile, the Brotherhood and Darkseid's minions aren't really getting along, so Darkseid has his new hooded minion do something to Toad and Vermin Wunderbar, but we don't really see what happens, and then they notice that the Justice League satellite is coming towards Asteroid M, where Axis has his new team, which consists of Red Wing, Wonder Wasp, who is Wonder Girl plus the Wasp, Green Goliath, who is Giant Man plus Green Lantern. Captain America Jr., who is Captain America plus Captain Marvel Jr., which is awesome because he gets his powers from the presidents. He was my favorite of the new group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thor L., who is Electric Superman plus Thor. Gene Black, who is Black Canary plus Jean Grey, which that name is so stupid and also amazing. Mm-hmm. And then Quick Freeze, who is Impulse plus I don't know, Black Grey might have been better. Uh, black jeans. Or that. But yeah, like, all of these are just much better combinations than what we got last time. Unfortunately for the new X-League, the Brotherhood of Evil Gods has shown up because someone merged the Brotherhood with the Apocalyptian Gods, so you have Saberat, uh, Saberback, which is Sabertooth plus Calabac, Vermin Vundervort, which is Toad plus Vermin Vundabah, uh, Silver Lance, which is Quicksilver plus Devil Lance. Disaster Mind, which is Dasad plus Mastermind. Uh, Red Lash, which is Scarlet Witch plus Lashina. Blaba, which is the Blob plus Stampa. And Cantique, which is Kanto plus Mystique. Uh, meanwhile, on Earth, the remaining, like, unmerged heroes are still fighting off the invading Parademons, and they're also having fun banter. Like, Beast because he's old school beast and uh, Superboy, like both are speaking lingo from their times and neither of them understands one another. It, it, it's just a bunch of good fun stuff. Yes. And uh, Darkseid approaches Axis with his secret hooded minion who is actually a grim dark future version of Axis. And the two start fighting through other worlds like a Bizarro world where it's set during the Clone Saga, so there's a bunch of, like, 
Bizarro clone Spider Man running around and clone yeah. Bizarro so, J. Jonah Jameson. Let's be real, the clone saga was Bizarro anyway. Yeah. Uh, there's Batman and Robin as like the Jack Kirby second Captain America team fighting a weird version of the DNA project. Uh, the Fantastic Four emerged with like Silver Age Superman stuff. And there is also a like stopover at the House of Monsters and the House of Creatures. Like it is a bunch of just random shit that is exactly my jam. And I want to see more of all of it. Yep. So Axis ends up merging himself with the evil Axis since he figures he has no choice. He makes a Star Wars reference about not wanting to join Darkseid, even if he has to, like, cut off his hand. And Darkseid reveals that he is going to threaten Ming now. And Axis reveals that he stopped this way, way back in the first issue. And so he summons back Juggernaut and Mantis, which is why they disappeared. Magneto ends up realizing that Darkseid is really not a good ally when he starts speaking disparagingly of the mutants. What? Yeah. Darkseid? A bad team-up partner? Mm-hmm. Go on, Magneto. And so Axis uses this time to unmerge the Brotherhood who stand against Darkseid, and Darkseid's like, okay, I've done enough here for today. I respect you standing up to me. I don't respect you. I respect your actions, so I'm going to leave. Axis, you're eventually going to join me and Magneto apologizes, and people just get sent home, since Axis controls his powers now. Uh, he shows up to see Ming again. He confesses everything that happened, and after spending a few days with her, he has to go off and do some other stuff in other universes and in other times, so presumably he's just going to go and have sex with Caitlin. Probably. That Axis... And yeah, that is our amalgam coverage. There was like one or two other issues where Axis showed up. I don't want to. I don't want to look at that stuff. Me We're neither. Good. Yeah. And so after these past three weeks of coverage, we finally get to put a new universe on Trials of the Multiverse. It was so Why? empty. So we have Earth nine six zero two, which is the amalgam universe, and. After all of this amalgam stuff, Devin, where should it go? Top half? I don't know, because it's like, how do you judge it? I'd say we judge it by... So it's like, I enjoyed some mm-hmm. of the like one-shots, but then I thoroughly disliked others. I think we should go and sort of put it on by, like, the high points, like the points where it was everything that it could be and everything that we wanted it to be. Like, I mean, because, like, Iron Lantern shoots it up super high, and Spider-Boy. Well, then, like, Speed Demon, JLX, drag it down. Yeah, like, they're... Don't forget Love of the Duck. Yeah, yeah, it's Love of the Duck. Okay, yeah, so it's, like, a major conflicting point. Currently on the universe, we have 268 universes. So... Are uh, halfway. If basically, like on my favorite ones, I would definitely even say top quarter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll start off going from the middle. So our current like midway point is Groot Pool. Yeah, I mean it's better than that. Uh, Keith Richards led the Fantastic Four. Yeah, it's better than that. Uh, Luke Cage found the Hammer of Thor. Yeah, it's better than that. Minimum Carnage Microverse. 
Uh, the Hulk married She-Hulk. I love She-Hulk. Stay on that. Uh, Deadpool kills the creative team. Stay on that. Okay. Uh, motor. You, I would jump up a bit. If yeah. we're going based off of like the high points only. Okay. Uh, bees pool. Ooh, bees pool. Yeah, I still, I still like Iron Man and Spider Boy and stuff better. Okay. Marvel Comics and the National Endowment for the Arts present Spidey Intellectual Stories. Ooh, that's a tough call there. Uh, well, right above that is what if Aunt May became the Punisher. Uh, I, I think we should go with the National Endowment for the Arts presented Spidey Intellectual Stories above it. I mean, 44 is a good point. 44 Four. is a good point. So our new no- number 44 is... Or- and I still have to, we still have to count. There's still enough negative there to... Give it to Spidey. Yep. And his national endowment. So, Amalgam Universe is our new number 44. And now, Devin, what are we covering next week? That's a great question. Yeah, because we're going to be starting our second year, and we're going to be changing sort of the way that we do things around here. Next week, we're covering Exiles again. Oh, are we? Yep. Okay, I was about to look it up. And... The week okay, after I'm good or year two chart. Yep. We have a fancy new year two chart. Uh and then the week after that we're going to be doing our RPG special. We're going to be getting rid of a very strict numbering system because that really uh forced us to do a lot more work than we've necessarily had time for as Devin's gotten a job and I've gotten a job and Air we're going to be yeah, and we're going to be covering some big-ass stuff. Yeah. Like, this year we have plans to do Age of Apocalypse, House of M, The New Universe, 2099. Future Imperfect isn't that big. Uh, Heroes Reborn. Uh, and the War Universe. And eventually DC 1 million. Yeah. And, yeah, like, we're wrapping up the year with DC 1 million, and then All-Star Superman for the greatest Superman story of all time. Well, the greatest epic Superman story of all time. I saw the animated movie that it was based on. The movie's not as good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, Multiverse Q is a weekly podcast. If you have been with us for any part of this year, please consider backing our... Uh, Patreon, that way we can do more stuff. Uh, we have new rewards up there, and you can find that at Patreon, if you look up Multiversal Q Patreon, or if you go to our website, we've got the link there. Uh, Multiversal Q is also on Facebook. Add us a like. Uh, iTunes, please leave us a review. Uh, we have Tumblr, we have Twitter, where we did polls, and where can people find you online, Devin? You can find me on the Twitter at Fredo Fett, F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And you can find me online at Coltreg, that's K-O-L-T-R-E-G, on the Twitter. Uh, you can also email us at multiversalq at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for your support. If you like the podcast, tell other people. If you have suggestions for improvements, let us know. And thank you for helping us get into year two. Peace. Peace.